very much. Mr. Cason. Good morning, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to come before the committee again and discuss the Cobell v. Norton lawsuit. We have discussed uh, the lawsuit on several prior occasions. Uh, the Department of Interior supports the efforts of Congress as the Indian Trust set law to clarify our Indian Trust duties, responsibilities, and expectations. We particularly want to thank uh, the chairman and ranking member for their efforts to try and reach a full, fair, and final settlement of the issues in this case. Uh, this Congress is the opportunity to look at this issue anew, examine the facts, and move forward to a clear and consistent sense of purpose regarding the federal government's administration of the Indian Trust. Mr. Chairman, as mentioned before, we've had a significant challenge in trying to separate rhetoric from facts involving this issue. The case is laced with heavily rhetoric, and what we've done in the last three years is attempt to go replace rhetoric with facts with our accounting efforts, and I'd like to synopsize basically what we've found. On the individual accounting area, the Department of Interior spent approximately $100 million in individual accounting thus far. We have done an accounting or compiled the ledgers for the named plaintiffs and predecessors in interest. We have looked at tens of thousands of judgment per capita accounts. We have distributed uh, thousands of special deposit accounts. And we've done a statistical uh, evaluation of thousands of transactions involving land-based accounts. We've done all of these activities under the auspices of the plan provided by the Department of Interior to Congress and the court uh, to conduct a historical accounting. Throughout all of these efforts, we have found that there are some differences between what is on the accounting ledgers within the Department of Interior and what is in the supporting documentation. The differences tend to be few, they tend to be small, and they tend to be on both sides of the ledger. There are instances in which we have overpaid Indian account holders, and there are instances in which we have underpaid Indian account holders. And if you take all of the transactions and all of the interest that's associated with transactions in total, for all of the things that we've examined, we have so far overpaid Indian beneficiaries. Um, that doesn't mean that the job is done. It is not. We have been concentrating on our first priority, which is to do the accounting for the accounts that had current balances as of December 31, 2000. We selected that as the priority because we have an ongoing relationship with those account holders where their accounts went beyond the period in which we were planning to do historical accounting, where they had an ongoing responsibility, and under the 1994 Act, we had ongoing requirements for providing periodic statements and balancing those accounts. So we set that as the priority of the accounts that we would do first. We have found some errors, but they don't amount to anywhere near the magnitude of error that's been asserted thus far in this case. For example, Mr. Chairman, as we've looked at the accounts for land-based accounts, which are the most problematic, the most expensive to do, the most complicated to do, and the most time-consuming to do, thus far in examining all of the thousands of transactions that we've looked at, we have a net error of about $10,000. 
we have an overall error of underpayments of about $48,000 and about uh, $35,000 of offsetting um, underpay or overpayments. So there are some errors, but they tend to be small. They tend to be few. And, and I would leave this synopsis with the thought that depending on the task that we're given as to how far back we account and for whom we account, there could be much, much more to be done, and in that area there is risk and uncertainty. We don't know what we will find if we spend hundreds of millions or billions of dollars to go do an accounting. We may find results similar to what we've found so far, or we may find that there are, in fact, problems. We don't know. The plaintiffs don't know. But what we know so far is after doing tens of thousands of accounts, we haven't found any sign of systemic fraud or systemic accounting error in our systems. What I've been told by the accounting firms through our Office of Historical Trust Accounting is that the errors that we found manifest themselves as normal human error as opposed to the result of any systemic problem with our systems. If I can move on, uh, Congress created the individual trust we're hopeful that Senate 1439 will resolve many of the issues that we've spent the last nine years in court debating. From the government standpoint, we believe that Senate 1439 should provide a full, fair, and final resolution of the entire case, provide a clear and realistic statement of the government's historic accounting obligations for the trust funds of individuals, Resolve the accounting claims of account holders and any associated funds uh, for funds mismanagement. Eliminate inefficient trust management obligations by consolidating individual Indians' lands through a land purchasing program and address any historic land assets mismanagement claims. Clarify trust accounting and management responsibilities such that they are limited by available appropriations so that future claims and litigation do not arise as a result of unfunded obligations and provide a clear statement of the government's historical accounting obligations for Indian tribes. We recognize that this is a daunting task, but I can assure you it's no more daunting than the prospect of facing many more years in court trying to find the answers to these issues. Mr. Chairman, I would like to close with a comment in support of our people at the Interior Department. We want to be sure that the public record reflects the fact that their extraordinary service to their country Many of our employees, past and present, have faced rough sledding in the Cobell case and have been unfairly maligned. Interior Department employees working on the issues involved in the Cobell case, like other employees of the department, are here to serve the American public. They work hard, in good faith, to implement the laws that you enact and protect the legal rights of Native Americans. We ask that our employees be treated with dignity and respect they have earned and deserve as we all work our way together through the difficult legal issues involved in the Cobell case. The department is encouraged by the Senate's leadership on this issue. We look forward to resolving this case so the department and beneficiaries can move forward on a positive agenda for Indian country. Thank you for the opportunity to appear. Uh, we'd be happy to answer any questions at this time. Mr. Swimmer, do you have any additional comments? Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, I don't have specifically on the bill, but I'd like to bring to the attention of the committee some of the uh, reform items which have been a, a sideline to the, the Cobell matter in the court. 
in uh, requesting that the trust be reformed uh, after the 2002 consultations that we had with the tribal leaders and the tribal leader task force. Several things came out of that that uh, I felt were very important, and after becoming uh, the special trustee, uh, we moved forward uh, on this agenda of reform. Uh, and I'd like to just just uh, uh, let you know a few of the things that have happened. One of the most distressing things has been in, I guess, in the rhetoric, uh, both in the case and previous uh, to our tenure there, and that is that uh, there seems to be a wholesale lack of records in Indian country that can establish for fact what happened in individual Indian accounts. I think at one time this was true, but it was true not because records were not available. It's because they couldn't be brought together. They were located in literally hundreds of different locations, uh, federal record centers from Fort Worth to Washington, tribes, uh, uh, BIA offices, and, and other places. Uh, one of the things that has happened is the creation of a records repository in Lenexa, Kansas. It is a state-of-the-art, uh, actually the most modern record center that uh, any uh, of any in the federal government as well as elsewhere. Uh, currently, uh, that record center is housing over 100,000 boxes of records that have been collected and approximately 250-plus million pages of records. Most of these deal with uh, the financial accounting for management of Indian lands over the years. These have also been indexed uh, and stored, and they are there in perpetuity. Uh, as we're able to collect additional records, uh, they go into this repository. This has been no small effort. Approximately $20 million a year has been dedicated to this effort for the last few years to bring these records together. Since uh, the 94 Act, beginning in, uh, in the late 90s, the <laughs> trust fund uh, has been audited annually uh, by outside auditors, both the tribal and the individual trust fund. And in addition to that, as per provided in the Act, uh, quarterly statements of account have been sent to uh, beneficiaries who are entitled uh, to receive uh, uh, the statements in any funds that might be there. I might add the quarterly statements are sent out for those who have more than $1 in their account. The, the 94 Act provides that those with less than a dollar in their account receive annual statements, and those two are sent. We have just completed the conversion of legacy systems into what we call pilot agencies at Anadarko and Concho. These legacy systems change from 30 to 40-year-old computer systems for the title work that's done by the Bureau of Indian Affairs to the accounting work that's done by the Special Trustee's Office and tracking the leasing and the use of, of uh, land. The conversion of these legacy systems and the data into these legacy systems enable us to fulfill the requirements of the 94 Act, identifying source-type status of funds uh, for each individual Indian account holder. We have the uh, recently implemented at those two locations a lockbox system. This has been particularly troubling in Indian country. It's to collect the money that is owed. It isn't unusual, hasn't been in the past, for a lessee to come in and give money to the Bureau of Indian Affairs and have it set on someone's desk for a few days, maybe weeks. This lockbox system allows us to collect directly <laughs> from the lessee, deposit the money immediately, begin generating interest on those funds, 
and place it in the appropriate account to avoid the special deposit account problem that we have now. One innovative thing, I think, that's been very helpful in Indian country just in the last four months is a call center operation that was set up to receive calls from beneficiaries to help them identify uh, answers to problems that they might have with their accounts or anything dealing with the, the trust issue. So far, we have fielded over 33,000 calls from beneficiaries at this call center with an 800 number. Uh, over 90%, I think it's about 94% of the calls are able to be resolved at the time of the call, uh, which is also important to avoid having to continually call back and try to find someone to provide an answer. For the first time in the history of the Indian Trust, we have now trained trust administrators and trust officers located in the field. These are people who have come both from the private sector of trust, fiduciary trust, working in trust companies, some building trust companies, to people in the Bureau of Indian Affairs who have been trained in the fiduciary trust and then cross-trained with the Indian trust and those coming from the private trust and vice versa. Seven years ago, there was one person in the Department of the Interior that had private sector trust experience, and that's my Deputy Special Trustee, Donna Irwin. Since that time, we now have over 60 people <laughs> trained similarly in the trust world of fiduciary trust, administering uh, accounts and, and uh, business on behalf of our trust beneficiaries. The total focus of the reform effort has been to on the beneficiary, him or herself, to provide the services that have, in fact, been lacking in the past. So I bring those items to your attention to let you know that there's another side to Cobell, and that has been in the reform, and we have not been waiting on things to happen, but moving forward with the support of the Congress and the appropriations, the support of the Secretary particularly, and people like Mr. Kaysen. So we uh, bring that to the attention of the Congress, and thank you very much uh, also for the efforts on the introduction of the proposed legislation.